0: The Gospels of Matthew and Luke both tell this story. Uh, The Matthew one you're probably a bit more familiar with, Um, he describes the land that the houses are built on, either rock or sand, which obviously we've seen already. And then this Luke version, which we've just read, um, tells us about what happened on the land. And it's all about the foundations. Now outside my office in Wandsworth, um, they're building an enormous housing development and from the seventh floor, we get a really great view. You'll often find people peering out the windows as there's another great shutter or something. Um, and it's taken, we've watched over the last few months um, and we've seen it slowly emerge, but it seemed to take forever before any concrete appeared above the ground. We know that foundations are really essential. So actually this story is easy for us to understand as well today. It seems a really simple story. Perhaps it's a story we've actually heard too often. We're almost too familiar with it. But I'm not sure whether you've noticed this story is actually a conclusion. It's a summary to a much longer piece of teaching that Jesus has just given, and we often know it as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew's Gospel, this sermon takes up three chapters. In Luke's Gospel, it takes up half a chapter, and that's why we're looking at the Luke version today, you'll be pleased to know. So you're pleased to know that I'm not actually going to preach on the whole of the Sermon on the Mount this morning, um, but you can't look at this parable on its own in isolation. Now if you look at verse 46, um, where we've started to read the parable. In the few verses before that, from 39 to 45, there are four illustrations that Jesus gives, which you can read later. Some of them are quite humorous. They talk about logs in people's eyes, um, about blind men leading each other into pits. Uh, Jesus was a fabulous storyteller, and he often used humor to get people's attention. But all of these... Illustrations make a really similar point. And the parable of the two builders sums it up. They say, You need to take note of what Jesus says. And the parable of Matthew, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. Therefore, so what you've just heard put it into practice. So the question is, what were the words that Jesus had just been speaking? What words of Jesus do we need to put into practice? And I don't think we can fully understand this parable until we work out what Jesus had just been saying. Now, I think if you asked, many people would agree that Jesus is a good teacher even if they don't believe that he's anything more than that, a lot of people would say, yes, Jesus was a good teacher. And they might even cite the Sermon on the Mount as an, ex- as an example of this. But when you read the passage, you find that it's actually massively controversial and extremely challenging. I'd encourage you to read the whole of the sermon, so you find it in Matthew 5-7 and Luke chapter 6. Um, so do go away and read that at some point but in Luke's version there are two main themes we need to think about this morning to help us to understand this parable so the first in verses 20 to 26 is an upside down society Jesus talks about those who are blessed those who are happy but he says the things that the world despises those things will be exalted And the things that the world thinks are important will not be exalted. That's what we hear about today. It was the same in Jesus' day as well. The world prides wealth, self-sufficiency, privilege, status, and popularity. But Jesus says that these things won't satisfy. They won't make somebody truly happy. And Matthew 16, verses 26 says, What good is it if a person gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? So that's the first thing Jesus speaks about. He talks about an upside-down society. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who hunger now. Blessed are you who weep now. Blessed are you when men hate you because of the Son of Man. It's really on its head. But then the second part of this sermon is really the heart of Jesus' teaching. And in verses 27 to 38, it's all about love. Now this is not an airy-fairy sort of love. It's a deep love. The Greek word is agape. It's a love that loves the unworthy. It's a love of choice. It's actually the way that God loves us. Jesus tells us that we can't be selective with this love, and he goes on to give us some really difficult examples. In verse 27, he talks about love for our enemies. He doesn't talk about just refraining from hurting them, but to actually choose to do good for them, to bless them, to pray for them. Now, the Jews at the time, they were living in occupied territory. They knew what it was like to have their enemy living amongst them. They hated their Roman occupiers. So this teaching of Jesus was really challenging for them. And then Jesus goes on in verse 37. He talks about not being judgmental. If we've been forgiven by God, he says, then we too need to forgive others generously. We're to be completely open-hearted. So we're to love our enemies, we're not to be judgmental. And then in verse 38 he says, we're to be generous. Not just a one-off generosity, but giving, a continual giving. That we're to be constantly generous with what God has given us. We're to give and to, uh, to serve without expecting reward. Jesus tells us we're to be active in love. Now, this sort of teaching doesn't strike me as quaint, ethical or moral good teaching from a great teacher that people think Jesus might be. This is a whole way of life. It's a radical way of life. But I think, purely as a human being, it's impossible to follow this. So is Jesus just showing us a standard of living that we can't actually ever achieve? If all we're trying to do is be religious and, good, and live a good life, I don't think we'll ever reach this standard. And I'm not even sure why we would want to try and manage to reach this and to follow Jesus' teaching, unless there's a deeper reason. Unless there's more to this than just obeying a set of rules and trying to live a good life. So what is Jesus' teaching all about? What teaching is it that we're meant to be following? Have a look at verse 17. He says, Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there and a great number of people. And then in verse 20 it says, looking at his disciples, he said, Jesus taught all this in the hearing of a great number of people. He wanted everyone to hear this teaching. But mainly, this teaching was for his disciples. It was for those who committed to living their lives following him. Now, as we know, people try and find many different ways to follow God. Some people like rules to obey. Some try violent revolution. Some support vicious regimes. Some completely withdraw from the world. And it was the same in Jesus today as it was today today. But Jesus was setting out something completely different for those who call himself their disciples, his disciples. His vision was a really radical vision. It turned everything that the world thinks is important upon its head. It's an upside-down version of life that the world knows. Or perhaps, actually, it's the right way up. This teaching is Jesus' manifesto. It's his vision of how he wants his disciples to live. Now, in our previous talks on the parables over the last few weeks, um, I'd really encourage you to listen to them if you've missed them, but it's come across more than once that Jesus' teaching is about something completely revolutionary. He used parables to teach about his radical vision for the kingdom of God. Now, most of his parables he Tends to leave them a little bit cryptic. But in this parable about these two builders, he makes it blatantly clear what he means. This is how he wants his disciples to live. And we are wise if we live this way. Now, being a disciple is different from being part of the great crowd. A disciple knows their master, a disciple follows their master. And as Jesus' disciples, we're not on our own. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to follow him. And as we grow to love and understand Jesus more, our hearts long to emulate the character of our loving Heavenly Father. See, this is what's portrayed in this teaching. Jesus is telling us that this is how God our Father loves. And this is how he wants us to love too. And if we long to emulate our Heavenly Father, how can we not want to follow Jesus' teaching? Jesus himself said in verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? This whole passage is the outline of Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven. It starts now. It starts here on earth. And it starts with us. And as his disciples, Jesus wants us to be different. And he also wants us to make a difference in the world that we live in. It's a radical difference. A practical difference. It's the way that we conduct ourselves. It demonstrates to others who we belong to and who we live for. Now this isn't Jesus expecting perfection. Perfection. He's just wanting us to be passionate, to bring his kingdom into our world. And it's what Jesus taught us to pray, isn't it? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. He doesn't expect us to live this in our own strength, but he does expect us to build our foundations. Now, we saw in the Lego video, didn't we? Building foundations is time-consuming. It's hard work. You have to dig down first. That house with deep foundations will take far longer to go up and far longer to be finished than the one that's built with no foundations. But we know that...